Well, Florida Gators fans, we know where Florida matches up well against Utah, but where do the Utes have the advantage against Florida? We're going to talk about that here on Locked on Gators. You are Locked on Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. Happy Tuesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, NFL 33, all that good stuff. And please do be sure to like, subscribe, comment, or review. Join the Lockdown Gators Discord. Links in the description below. Today, we're, we're taking a different approach. Because I know I, I've spent the past week or so talking about where I think Florida matches up well, where I think some things might be confused with the approach. I want to get this clear. Utah is still a good football team. I think Florida wins this game. I think no matter who wins it, it's going to be very close. My issue is the logic behind the arguments just not there. Here, though, we are going to talk about where Utah has the advantage over the Florida Gators because there are advantages that Utah has. First off, their pass rush plan. Look, I mentioned yesterday that I don't know who the starting five is going to be for the Florida Gators offensive line because nobody knows that. There's quite a few injuries up in the air. Are these guys going to be healthy? Are they going to be cleared? Are they going to play while hurt? What, what is going on here? We know the Florida Gators offensive line, no matter who they put out there, can run block. Dope. That's awesome. However, <laughs> another part of, of football, I don't know if you know this, is throwing the football. That's the part that worries me because of pass protection. Pass protection is definitely going to be an issue for the Florida Gators in this game, no matter who the starting five is. That's, that's my opinion of it, at least. Because there's only so much or so many practices that have been available for these guys. And so there's only so much chemistry that can be built with an offensive line that pretty consistently was going through, oh, this guy's banged up today. This guy's banged up today. This guy's banged up today. This guy's missed most of fall camp. All these issues that have lined up for Florida on the offensive line injury-wise, they're probably going to cause some issues early on. That's just my stance on it when it's just straight up R5 offensive linemen versus your four front rushers. When Utah blitzes, probably going to be even a bigger issue there because you're not going to have that chemistry in blitz pickup. When Utah runs stunts, probably going to be a big issue there because you don't have that chemistry working together. I've said this story or I've used this analogy so many times of when the New York Giants won Super Bowls a decade or so ago, they didn't have superstar offensive linemen throughout. They had an offensive line that could work with cohesion and, and they had great chemistry. And that was a big reason that Eli Manning didn't get sacked a ton at certain points because their offensive line had great chemistry. They worked together. They'd been working together for that whole season well. 
Florida doesn't have that advantage. Week one is usually pretty spotty for pass protection in any circumstance. It will be probably for Utah as well. But for Florida specifically, that's going to be a little bit of an issue because, well, we don't know everybody that's going to be cleared, everybody that's going to be starting. Look, even further there, Utah, they don't have an elite pass rusher on their roster, in my opinion. However, I also don't think they have necessarily any bad pass rushers on their starting line. Not great, not bad, but if you're consistently average against an offensive line that's trying to piece things together, odds are you're going to find some success there. And so for me, that's a little bit of an issue because, honestly, I don't don't know what's more important. Florida Gators offensive line not having chemistry early on, which, again, I think you can run block without chemistry because a lot of that is just get downhill, move people out of your way, and win that one. Pass protection is different because pass protection is not passive, but it's more reactionary than just run blocking. So I'm not sure what matters more, that chemistry or if you look at who's actually in the backfield for the Florida Gators. First off, let's say this, Cam Carroll was the best protecting, best pass protecting running back on this roster. He's out for the year. So you have Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne that are likely going to be relied on to be the primary pass protectors if you keep an extra blocker in the backfield. That's not going to be awesome. Montreal Johnson is better at it. They're both bad at it. You can keep an extra tight end into block, sure, but then you take away a pass catcher. And you need to be able to keep that pocket clean because of Graham Mertz. Not that he's awful. I'm not going to say he's awful. I'm not an idiot. I'm not going to say he can't move out of the pocket. I I don't think he's mobile, but he's not a statue like some people try to make him sound like. What worries me more is that last year, the Florida Gators offensive line looked incredible by the numbers because they didn't allow a lot of sacks. A big part of that was Anthony Richardson. The Gators had Anthony Richardson last year, duh, (laughs) who was elite at evading sacks. Of all the times that he was pressured, he got sacked on 9.2% of those pressures. That's it. That's a fantastic, like that is elite of the elite. That's one of the reasons that he made great plays against Utah, LSU, Florida State, Tennessee, is that he could extend plays like very few, if any, in college football last year. You don't have that this year. Not only do you not have the elite escapability and the elite ability to extend plays, you have Graham Mertz there, who is very bad at evading that pressure. Anthony Richardson was sacked 9.2% of his pressures. Okay. Graham Mertz was sacked 22.3% of his pressures. That's what I'm not great at math. That's what 13.1% increase. More than double what Anthony Richardson got sacked on his pressures last year. So when you piece together, Utah doesn't have bad pass rush. They, They don't have a great pass rush. I'm not going to pretend they do. But Utah doesn't have a bad pass rush. Florida has an offensive line that is not very put together right now. And Florida has a quarterback that is not great at evading pressure. 
that that kind of all adds up to Utah's pass rush is probably going to have a pretty fun time. Okay, and, and we all acknowledge Florida's going to run the ball a lot. Play action's going to open up. I will also say one of the reasons that Graham Mertz's sack number or pressure to sack numbers of 22.3% is so bad is because with Wisconsin, it was so often just drop back, not run play action, not boot, nothing. So it's not necessarily just, oh, well, maybe he's just not great. It's literally he's just lining up, dropping back, and he has to either step up and evade pressure or roll out. It's not that he's being put in a position where he's already moving or where the defense is maybe biting on something else. Maybe they're running in at the running back, and then he gets to pull the ball. He didn't have that. So I think that that 22.3% is going to improve for Florida, but I think even then you get to 16, 17%. So it's still considerably worse than Anthony Richardson last year. So I think that's a big thing with Utah's pass rush. They're probably going to have a fun day. They are. I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that, that they're not. And again, I know I've been talking a lot of trash on the episodes where I say, hey, this is where Florida has the advantage. Now we're talking where Utah has the advantage. And Florida Gators fans, you need to ready yourself that like, yes, I think Utah, I think that Utah will lose this game. I do. But I also think Utah is a pretty damn good football team. And yeah, it's going to be a little tough. I just think Florida has the advantage. Simple as that. I think Florida, especially without camera. If camerizing plays, I'm like, all right. Or if camerizing was fully healthy, I'm like, all right, Utah should win this game. He's not. Neither is their second quarterback. So yeah. I think Florida should win this game. But Utah does have their strengths, like I mentioned, their pass rush, and we're about to talk about their offensive line. Before I do that, though, I did want to tell you all that this episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash college and get on your way to being your best self. Whether you're dealing with decisions around your career, relationship, conference dying if you're a Utah fan, your rival being the best team in the country if you're a Florida Gators fan, anything else. Therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate your life. So you can move forward with confidence, excitement. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Because I know that that's a big issue of, of just having that availability and being busy. I get it. Life gets in the way. Let therapy be your map with better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on college today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash locked on college. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Like I said earlier, we'd appreciate it if you like, subscribe, comment, review, do all that fun stuff. Join the Lockdown Gators Discord. Links in the description below. But now we're, we're shifting from Florida's offensive line has these issues. To Utah's offensive line. And I know, uh, I'm so, I'm sorry, I forgot your name, but someone left a comment yesterday. It was like, this is Utah's arguably best offensive line or one of Utah's best offensive lines they've ever had. Utah has been one of the places that consistently has one of the better offensive lines in college football. They do. If you just look year after year, they've got a pretty good offensive line. And a lot of it is built in the ground game. That's not changing this year, okay? Utah's offensive line, they're going to be good this year. We know that. Last year, took a little while to get going. This year, 
might take a little while to get going. I'm not sold on Utah's tackles. It's simple as that. Wasn't sold on Utah's tackles last year. I'm not sold on this year. So Utah, you're still going to have a good offensive line, specifically in the middle. Utah consistently has, which is weird that I feel like, I feel like Utah is always one of the better offensive lines in college football. I feel like they don't produce as much NFL talent as you would think they do, which that's, that's irrelevant to the, <laughs> to the point of this game. It's just weird to me. Like, like it's, it's great coaching, obviously. It's just weird that it's not like developing NFL players consistently. But Florida's answer to that offensive line, specifically in the middle, Cam Jackson, Memphis transfer, all-conference. Caleb Banks, Louisville transfer, did not play much. When he did, he had good numbers. But again, it's easy to have high pressure rate when you're the guy that rotates in very sporadically. Like It's easy to have a high pressure rate when you rotate in as... You know, uh, it's it's the fourth quarter. Everybody's gassed. Bring in fresh legs. He's got to play consistently now. So the combination on the interior is going to be Cam Jackson from Memphis, Caleb Banks from Louisville, Desmond Watson, who we all know from last year, and Chris McClellan, who didn't play much against Utah last year. But as the year went on, he he stepped up into a role. And I'll be honest with you. I think Cam Jackson's the best defensive, uh, the best interior defensive lineman here. I think Chris McClellan's the second best interior defensive lineman here. And I think Chris McClellan is the most versatile interior defensive lineman here. Either way, no matter what combination you're going to see out there, because they're all going to be rotating in and playing well, and I don't think it's going to be as much platoon swaps as people think of like Cam Jackson, Caleb Banks, and then Desmond Watson, Chris McClellan. I think you see... Cam Jackson, Caleb Banks, and then Cam Jackson, Chris McClellan, and then Chris McClellan, Desmond Watson, and then Desmond Watson, Caleb Banks. I think you see a lot of rotation here and a lot of just mixing and matching because you can do that with that personnel. So I think over the middle, it's going to be an interesting battle because you're also projecting Cam Jackson from Memphis to the SEC, which I will say this as well. I'm not as big on that argument of like, oh, like going from group of five to power five. Because if you can ball, you can ball, right? I don't care who you balled against. If you could ball, you could ball. You look good on film. Your technique looks good on film. See if you could do it here at the SEC too. Your technique is good, but now you're going against players with better technique. How does that match up? So you're going from group of five to power five, and I understand you're playing a Pac-12 team right now, but that's neither here nor there. It's still your technique looks good. Can it look good against other players? So there's that. Um, When you look at the jack spot, that's that Jack linebacker, that stand-up edge rusher for Florida, it's Prince Leomond Mielin, who, Utah fans, you might not have heard me say this before. Florida fans, you probably have. When I was at the Senior Bowl in Mobile this past January, February, because it was like that transitional week, I had actual NFL scouts, not media, NFL scouts go, that 33 is the best defensive player on that team. Not just the line, the team. 33 is Prince Lumon Mielin last year. He's wearing number one this year. But last year, they were like, had 33 is the best defensive player on that team last year, including a defense that had multiple draft picks. Okay. Including a front that had multiple draft picks, a second round pick, fourth round pick, fifth round pick. Yeah. He was the best player, according to NFL evaluators. 
NFL scouts. Got to see him. That's a great matchup, I think, for Florida. I think that's your most likely spot to win where I'm not sold on Utah's tackles. Prince Luman Mielin is going to be going against tackles frequently. Very much looking forward to that. For Florida, at the DN spot, the F, if you're a Gators fan, that's what we call it. DN spot, ton of youth. Because Justice Boone, who is penciled in to be the starter for this coming season, for his ACL at this point, two weeks ago, week and a half ago. So you lost Justice Boone there. Maybe you see Princely play more defensive end, Jack Pyburn at, at the Jack spot. You see Kelby Collins, Bryce Capers, TJ Searcy, whoever it might be. You're going to see fresh faces at that defensive end spot. Could cause some issues for Florida. You could also argue again, I'm not sold on Utah's tackles. So maybe from my point of view, this isn't my point of view, but, but maybe you could make the argument that if that's the spot where you've got the most question marks at the end, maybe, maybe you see Florida find some success there because you can ask, you can say, hey, that's a great matchup. That's a great first matchup to have in college football if you're a true freshman or whatever it might be. That's a great matchup to have is a spot that's kind of weak at tackle. You can say that. I think Florida being aggressive could help them here. I do. As in Florida being aggressive could help Florida here. However, you also open up the conversation for Florida being aggressive could help Utah here. Yesterday, I talked about how Florida can use misdirection to kind of expose Utah with with a, a younger or inexperienced-ish secondary, some players, maybe some guys are really fired up because they should be. They lost last year. Maybe things happen, and, and you can take advantage there. Florida's defense is just naturally aggressive, so Utah probably going to take advantage there with play action, play fakes, and if you bite too hard on something, could hurt you. But with Utah, I, I think that their offensive line is damn good. I think nobody's really denying that. And if you are denying that, you're being unrealistic. Um, it's just because that that's what that's what we're looking at at this point. It, it's just you're being unrealistic if you look at this Utah offensive line and go, they're bad. That's just not realistic at all. But I think that it, it could be a rough time for Florida. Just being honest, it, it could be a rough time for Florida's defensive front because again, you're projecting. Cam Jackson, Caleb Banks to go to the the starting lineup now in the SEC again against in the Power Five level starting lineup at the Power Five level. Desmond Watson, we saw him get gassed pretty quickly last year. Chris McClellan stepping into a big contributor role. I'm not going to say starting role, but but big contributing role over the middle. So you're going to see a lot of transition there, but also the interior defensive line for Florida last year was pretty bad. So you're replacing pretty bad with potentially pretty good. And so I think that that's a hard part to project, but we know Utah's offensive line is going to bring it. They're going to bring it every single time they step on the field because that's what they do. And that could cause some issues for Florida. We're about to look at the, the, the back end for Florida. Before I do that, though, today's episode of Lockdown Gators is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Football season's about to kick off this Saturday. College football plays. Okay, there's college football this Saturday. 
and there's college football every Saturday through the rest of the year. It's awesome. Okay. Now, when you go to Fando Sportsbook, for some reason, they're giving you a chance to win all season long in the NFL. You bet a Super Bowl winner, so not the Jets, not the Jags, sorry, Jags, not the Colts, and you get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. My, my strategy, pick whoever you think gets the most regular season wins, even if you don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl. Because why not? You get the bonus bets, and if they win the Super Bowl, congrats. So you pick anybody to win, get bonus bets for every win they get in the regular season. It's a stupid promo. I, I think I think they're just giving away money. I think it's moronic, but visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We're going to get into a little bit of my nerd talk. Utah fans, I, I know, I look like a nerd, but scheme nerd. That's, that's, that's where we're at. And I think that Utah's defensive scheme on the back end, just coverage-wise, could cause some issues for Florida's offense. Utah likes to play a lot of man-free, which man-free is cover one because it's man with a free safety, uh, which means man underneath, so corner versus receiver, corner versus receiver, nickel versus nickel, linebacker or safety versus uh, tight end, linebacker usually covering running back. Okay. Four rushers, one deep man. That's 10, which means that you have one guy who can work as, whether it's a safety or linebacker, he can work in an underneath zone. He could be blitzing. He can be a spy. He can double somebody. He can be anything he wants to be, okay? He can be anything he wants to be. As long as he dreams it, he can achieve it. But Utah plays a lot of man free. That's cover one, okay? Utah also plays a lot of cover two. Well, I'll elaborate on why cover one might give Florida fits, but cover two plays into that as well. Utah plays a lot of cover two, just straight up cover two. So base cover two has two deep safeties. Okay. So half, they like my responsibility is this half of the field, your responsibility is this half of the field, and we got to cover all that range. Okay. Also has five underneath defenders. Again, this is base cover two. I'm not talking about blitzing anybody. Just five underneath defenders. It's usually in college football, linebacker, linebacker, nickel, corner, corner. Okay. That's how base cover two works. So that's what you're looking at where you make life a bit difficult for quarterbacks. If you're good at playing cover two, which Utah's pretty good at it. We'll see with the, with the, uh, the, the new starting secondary there, but you make opposing quarterbacks take a whole shot, which the whole shot is down the sideline behind the corner, in front of the safety. Because again, you got the corner has the flat responsibility. Safety has that deep half. So there's a, a pretty sizable gap there, but you have to time it right. And so you have to take that whole shot, which again, sidelines between the corner and the flat and the deep safety. Or you work over the middle of, over the, middle of the uh, defense with a post. Because if you have, let's say, two guys running deep down the sideline, safeties have to take them. You work with that post, you take advantage there. Even if the safeties aren't taking that sideline, they have to respect that big dis- that big gap of the field, that big distance, and you can still run a post and make them pay that way. That's the weakness to cover too. 
especially if they're not communicating properly, cooked. However, cover two often means that we're going to take away that underneath part of the field. Florida's going to want to throw underneath. Graham Mertz likes to throw underneath. Billy Napier likes to give you these uh, these underneath catch-and-run opportunities. Probably going to be the better the bread and butter for Florida. Number two makes that a bit difficult. So you kind of take that away. So when, we're going to go back to man-free for a second. Because man-free, any man coverage, whether it's cover one, cover two man, cover zero, whatever it is, man could be an issue for Utah. I think Florida can be an issue for Florida, or for Utah in man coverage. I, I think it could be an issue against Florida as well. Because Florida has Ricky Pearsall returning at receiver. He was he was the best receiver on the field last year. I don't care whatever stats you want to throw out with, with catches being Xavier Henderson, touchdowns. I don't, I don't care about that. He was the best receiver on the field last year for Florida. Outside of Ricky Pearsall, it's a bunch of unproven players, which again, I spoke about this yesterday. I'm pretty optimistic on these players stepping in and growing into those roles. But I'm not going to sit here and go, they're awesome. They can create separation like no one's ever seen. Every receiver is Stephon Diggs. No, that's that's silly. However, and also Utah DBs, you got a few guys stepping into new starting roles. You got you got them taking on just expanded roles. We'll see how they hold up as well. This is just unproven versus unproven at that point. I will say, Ricky Pearsall is going to play primarily in the slot. Okay. Ricky Pearsall versus, I'm sorry if I mispronounced Teo Johnson on Utah. It's a receiver turned corner. That should be a great advantage for Florida. The other spots are up in the air. But if you get man coverage and you're reading man coverage and you see Ricky Pearsall versus Teo Johnson, I feel like you got it. You, you have to target Ricky at that point. I, I feel like you have to see that and go, Okay, we're going to give it to our best receiver who plays primarily out of the slot and is a damn slick route runner. However, again, man-free, you're probably playing press. Utah plays press a lot. So you got that man-free cover one with press. If you have that underneath defender, if he's in a zone over the middle, you can take away the middle of the field a bit. Your corners can be kind of like lined up with, with on the outside shoulder of the receiver, force them inside. You've got a linebacker over the middle. They can hit him, okay? So that man one, you could take over the underneath. You could take away the underneath. Cover two, you could take away the underneath. That could be an issue for Florida's passing attack. Like, that's a big advantage for Utah. That's just, that's their stylistically, that's what they like to do. You can cause some issues there if you're Utah. Having Ricky Pearsall, not even think. I know Ricky Pearsall can create for himself. I'm not worried about him. And he's he's found success working the post too, so expect to see that. But I, I think that we can all acknowledge, hey, as confident as we are in Caleb Douglas, Marcus Burke, Jaquavian Frazier, Aiden Mizell, Andy Jean, Eugene Wilson III, we can be honest and say, hey, it's possible that they have some trouble separating against Utah. It's possible. Like Utah has advantages in this game. I still think Florida wins. But these are all things that Florida has to figure out a response for in the next nine days. 
Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day, every day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow. Actually, we'll be back in a few hours talking about some Florida Gators tight ends. We'll be back tomorrow talking more Florida Gators, probably more of this Utah game. For Lockdown Gators, I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, NFL 33, and I will see you all later.